The book of Matthew confronts the reader with the call to follow Jesus as his disciple. Jesus Christ came to save us from our sins. We need a Savior. Sin is real. And you know what? Hell is real. I don't need anyone to to try to convince me of the reality of hell. I know that hell is real because of the significance of the price that Jesus paid for me not to go there. When I consider when I consider the sacrifice of Christ, I must, I must know that there's something horrific that God loves me too much to let me go somewhere. And so following Jesus as his disciple doesn't, it doesn't mean that we are earning our salvation. It means that we are obeying the one who saved us. So being his disciple means I become, I imitate and obey the one who saved me. And this is what the book of Matthew describes and prescribes. It tells the reader, follow Jesus, and this is what it looks like. Now today, in this passage that we will come to, Jesus invites his disciples into his world. Now the truth is, he came to bring us into his world entirely. Everything he says, everything he's done is to bring us into the kingdom, to bring us into the dominion of the spirit, to bring us into his world. So while that's true in general, it's a, there's a specific way that it's true today. Today we'll see that Jesus is going to invite us to share in, to participate in, to understand, to believe in the climate and culture of his own prayer life. He will do so. His point is really to emphasize the nature of God, for us to see and believe something that is true about God. But while he does that, or because he does that, he also revolutionizes the way and the reason that we pray. How and why we pray will, should be revolutionized today. Everybody say, should be. It should be. If we will let these words speak to us freshly. For many of us, the words that we're about to read are exceedingly familiar. And while that can be wonderful, it can also be it can also be a detriment because familiarity oftentimes leads us to pay less attention. The more familiar we are, the less we might appreciate or embrace something as significant. Or our familiarity might even limit our depth or our ability to be impacted by something. So I pray today. It's my prayer personally. I, 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 when I come to these passages, I say, oh, Lord, I do not want to come away from this passage the same way that I came. I refuse to be unaffected by the scriptures. And my prayer is that you will do the best to bring your faith to that same desire. Lord, we refuse to be unaffected. We refuse to be unchanged. Let your word today transform us. All right, very good. What we'll see today in Matthew chapter 7 is this. Disciples of Jesus do not just say prayers. Disciples of Jesus pray until. Somebody say until. 
We don't just cross our fingers. When we pray as disciples of Jesus, we don't just cross our fingers and roll the dice. When we pray as disciples of Jesus, we aren't just throwing noodles up against the wall. Now, I need to say this again. If you've never done that, you should try it. Not with your prayers, but with actual noodles. Do it maybe when your spouse isn't paying attention. Not, that's hypothetically speaking, of course. But when it comes to prayer, we aren't throwing noodles at the wall just to see if something will stick. We aren't passive. We aren't acquiescent. As disciples of Jesus, we learn to pray from him and like him. We pray until. When we say pray until, what we mean is that disciples of Jesus pray until there is breakthrough. Disciples of Jesus pray until there is blessing, until there is an answer, until there, until there is something that is received or resolved or overcome. We pray until. Okay, I can, I'm feeling where I'm going to push that rock up a hill today. That's all right. And, and we pray this way because we believe that God is good and he has good for us. Okay, there we go. Now you're starting to get it rolling here. So let's, here's the passage of Scripture, and it's, and it's a familiar one, but here it is. Reading from the NIV, here are the words of Jesus. Lord, mess us up. Let's hear these fresh. Ask. And it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. The one who seeks, finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Now, Jesus said, which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, we'll talk about that, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more? There's the leverage. There's the leverage he's trying to, he's using a rabbinical argument on purpose. Somebody say, how much more? How much more will your heavenly Father, I want you to, I want you to get, look at the verbs in this passage. There's no maybe sort of kindas in here. This is bold and aggressive words by Jesus. How much more will your heavenly Father, your Father in heaven, give good gifts to those who ask him? Disciples of Jesus pray until. How do we do that and why? Well, the first response in, in, verse, in verses 7 and 8, the verses 7 and 8 really tell us how, how we pray until. And what we see or learn or right away is that, we, that praying until means we pray tenaciously. Somebody said it tenaciously. Why, what do you mean by tenaciously, Deb? Well, we mean that we, that we pray and keep on praying. We pray with a sense of expectation and resolve and commitment. And we do so be, because of what Jesus says, ask and seek and knock. But even the language itself in the, in the original, in the Greek, 
the language is stronger than it might even feel. Even though it feels pretty strong in the English, the language is stronger in the original. These are present verbs. These are present active verbs. And uh, the, uh, truthfully, the, 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 uh, what is this? the Amplified, the Amplified Bible uh, gives us the feel in a pretty good way of what, what this sounds like. Uh, ask and keep on asking, and it will be given to you. Seek and keep on seeking. Somebody said keep on seeking. Okay, and you will find knock and keep on knocking, and the doors will be open to you. So the, 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 the language here is keep on asking. How do disciples of Jesus pray until we keep on asking? Don't let someone say, oh, just ask once and leave it there. Just trust the Lord. We trust the Lord, but Jesus says keep on asking. He is inviting us to pray like him. Keep, ask and keep on asking. Seek and keep on seeking. Knock and keep on knocking. In other words, ask until. Seek until. Knock until. And, it, and then Jesus says, and it will be given. You will find and the door will be opened. Jesus teaches us here to pray with a certainty of results. We pray with a certainty of result. A certainty of result. Jesus prays. When you pray, Jesus is telling his disciples that they should pray with real hope and to, and to contend tenaciously in prayer because he is teaching his disciples to pray expecting results and to pray until there are results. Jesus teaches his disciples to pray expecting results and to pray until there are results. So we don't just pray, we pray until. We pray tenaciously, and then we see it unfolds even more. If you look at the, let the text speak for itself, we pray tenaciously, and there's a, we pray progressively. Again, ask, seek, and knock. If Jesus just, if he were just using some sort of rhetorical device, using different words to say the same thing, that's possible that happens, but he wouldn't need to in this passage because he's already used the present tense. He's already said ask and keep on asking. So he doesn't need to use, he's not just restating something, he is giving a progression of really a progression of intensity. Ask, seek, knock. These are progressive behaviors. He's inviting us to under, to pray like him. So friends, when we ask, we ask, we, you don't ask for what you already have. You give thanks for that. But you ask for what is not yet. And you ask and you keep on asking. Then you seek. You, you, you seek for what you want to find. S to seek, seek is active. Seeking seems to mean that, that there is more than just, than just our words are engaged in prayer. That prayer, when it's when we're understand when we're praying like Jesus, prayer captures our affections. It 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 it, 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 it rearranges our priorities. Even our actions become focused on the object of our prayers. Seek. Someone say seek. 
A few years ago, uh, we, on, we, when we had regular, kind of just regular Bible study midweek services, every once in a while in the midweek service, we would ha- I would just have an open, open mic kind of intercession prayer night. And uh, so we would kind of have worship and a, 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 a exhortation, and then we would play some music, and people would just pray. We would come to the mic and just lead in prayer, sort of like our first Friday prayer meetings we have now. Well, on one particular Wednesday night, it was great. We had a guy, one of the, one of the young, young men in church uh, came up to the mic, and he said, Lord, I pray that a 1,000 people get saved this week. Yeah. <laughs> and then he turned around and sat down. Now, that's where it stopped. He just got up and sort of said that and sat down. There was nothing else in his life about his attitude or his actions. He didn't, he, he didn't follow through with anything. There wasn't any engagement in it of his heart and or his, his affections or his priorities. He sort of just went back down and sat down and kept living the way he was. That's not seeking. Now, I will say this. I'm glad that he said, Lord, get a, let a thousand people get saved. It's much better than, Lord, let nobody get saved. So I'll take the asking. But Jesus wants us to understand that asking really should lead to seeking. Act, asking, if we're asking in sincerity, it should, it should invoke something within us that we become participants with heaven in the completion of this thing, in making this thing so. That our affections, our attitudes, our, our, our affections are all engaged in this. Does that make sense? We ask, we seek, and then knock. You know what? Knocking, knocking is really, I think, sort of the, the crescendo of this here. Because knocking is what you do when a door is closed or even locked. You don't knock on open doors. You only knock on doors you want to be opened. Does anybody have any doors that need to be opened? Anybody got any doors that they're tired of being closed? Anybody got any doors that are locked, but you're knocking? That's what we do. We just keep knocking. We get to the point that door, something is locked, something is closed, it's not happening, but we understand from the scriptures, we understand from the life of Jesus, we understand from the promises of God that that door shouldn't be closed. It's not supposed to be closed, it's not supposed to be locked, and so what, what, what I, as a disciple of Jesus, my obligation or my opportunity, my expectation is to go and keep knocking, and keep knocking. Because I, I, I will just keep knocking until that thing comes open. See, Jesus speaks to his disciples and calls us to pray with uh, tenaciously and progressively and with an unreserved certainty. Unreserved certainty. Say it out loud. Unreserved certainty. He tells his disciples, everyone who asks, receives. Everyone who seeks, finds, and to him who knocks, the door will be open. He wants us to pray with that same unreserved certainty. We don't view prayer then as an obligation. We view prayer as a means to certain outcomes. Now, here's the deal. In some of, in some of your study Bibles or some of your commentaries or journal articles, etc., when it comes to this passages like this, or specifically this passage, so many writers will make haste to talk the reader out of extravagant hope. They will seek to soften the words of Jesus a little bit. 
and they'll put little little notes in the margin or in the the bottom part, and they'll they they'll, they'll they'll go almost go out of their way to make the words of Jesus less intense, which consequently makes them less full of hope and expectation. It's like they assume that there's small print with the words of Jesus. Well, look at your Bible, look at them words in red. There aren't there isn't any small print. There isn't any caveat. There, Jesus doesn't say this and then wink. Jesus doesn't say these words and then make a little asterisk and say, here's the provisions, the exceptions, and you know that really there's no guy talking really fast in a low voice at the end of this commercial. Oh, that was just the one model. That was that promise was just for the one. Everybody else is full price. You know, what? What? No, there are there is no small print here. Jesus actually says something brazen and bold and then leaves it for us to believe it or not. Now, of course, when we approach these words, we, we keep in mind what we've read already in the Scriptures. We, we keep in mind that we are not to be caught up in the cares of this world. We keep in mind that we are to seek first the kingdom of God. We, we understand that, we, that as followers of Jesus, we pray like Him and we pray, uh, we, ex- we pray like him and we expect what he would expect. It wouldn't make sense for us to pray unlike Jesus or for unchrist-like things. Right? So then all we need to understand is we, look at, we listen to the words of Matthew and the life of Jesus so far. And so far, listen to what we can pray for. We know that we, you and I should already be adjusting our expectometer. You got an expectometer? I'm worried that someplace, some of us, some of our expectometers might have been turned down a bit. But Jesus is, he always speaks to our expectations. Always speaks to them. Always calls us to turn them up. Here's what, according to the scriptures, even so far, we understand that we, that we should be asking and seeking and knocking that our prayer, our expectometers should include the dominion of heaven. That heaven itself is the frame of reference and the measure of our hope. That our prayers and our expectation is to pull on the realities of heaven and make, and make the circumstances of earth submit to them. We should expect the dominion of heaven. We can expect the provision from heaven. We can expect protection from evil. We can expect direction for our lives. We can, we can look for the look at the life of Jesus and expect healing and deliverance and freedom and peace and joy and life. All of our expectometers can be set there. See, Jesus did not come to lull you into some sort of mediocre hope or some sort of lukewarm faith. These words of Jesus, if they were mediocre or average, they wouldn't have lasted these centuries, these millennia. There's a reason why they were, like when they were uttered and recorded, they shook the earth. They shook the hearts of men. The words of Jesus are intended to shake the hearts of mankind and cause us to wake up out of the malaise of unbelief and sadness and despair and believe that God is good, that he has good for us. There is more than this, there is that. 
And that's what Jesus comes to reveal. He comes, he doesn't, this isn't some simple poetry. This doesn't belong on your refrigerator in, 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 in fancy writing. It belongs in your heart, so it transforms your life. Why is he so upset? He's not, he's excited. If I were yelling for the guy with the football, you wouldn't think I were upset. You'd be like, hey, he likes the football. He likes the sports. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Friends, Jesus did not give us prayer as a coping mechanism. He gave us prayer as a means of change. The text. Jesus does not ask us to cope with mountains. He calls us to move them. To those who would be quick to caution the reader against taking Jesus too seriously and then calling it wisdom, I would ask how's that wisdom working out for you? How many mountains are you moving? Friends, just because something is does not mean it's supposed to be. So as followers of Jesus, our choice is, will we simply accommodate to what is or will we pray until? Somebody say until. If you were to read the journals of men and women of God who have had an influence, an impact on this world for Jesus, who have obeyed and imitated Jesus, who have been expressions of Christ in their world, to the point where they have influenced their world significantly, whether they are famous or not, to a person without exception, you will find that each of them approached prayer with certainty. Each of them believed that prayer, they expected prayer to work, starting with Jesus. They expected prayer to work. Our Pentecostal forerunners the, the, from the modern Pentecostal uh, movement in the in the teens, in the 20s, in the 30s, in the 40s. These were people that, that prayed like crazy, not because they were crazy, but because they believed prayer worked. See, here's the deal. They, our, our, the, our, the people that, 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 that in, the, in the last 150 years or so, that these people believed that prayer could do anything God could do. And since God could do anything, so could prayer. And they prayed like that was true. And in so doing, they shaped culture. They shaped a nation. They gave themselves to prayer during different world wars. We don't, we, we, there are so many stories of miraculous interventions and the works of God and all of it. And, they, and these great moves of God. You can't even explain what happens. The, the, the Jesus movement arose out of the, what, was, what was starting to be one of the most licentious, drug-infested uh, movements in our nation's history in the late 60s and early 70s, people abandon, abandoning work and everything else and responsibility and living in and, and just living in total uh, boundaryless sexuality and drug use, and then boom, out of it comes one of the greatest moves of the Holy Spirit in the last 50 or 60 years. Because people prayed and expected it to work. Disciples of Jesus prayed. 
They receive by prayer. They resolve by prayer. They overcome by prayer. They pray until. That's how we pray, but Jesus tells us why. Here's why we pray with such certainty, with such tenacity, with such certainty. Verse 9, which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Right away, we understand that Jesus confronts the, the, the horrid heresy that somehow uh, something evil or wicked or bad is God's preference for you. That if you pray for something good, it might might be the Lord's will, his intention to instead leave you in a worse condition. If you pray pray for provision, he's not going to give you lack. When we pray for healing, it's, it's a serious biblical error to say, no, his preference is for you to remain ill. Right here. Which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? God will not return your request for something good and give you something evil. Let the words of Jesus speak for themselves. If he asks for a fish, will you give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, thanks, Jesus. Uh, Jesus is not just taking pot shots. He's using a rabbinical rhetorical device here to compare. Meaning, in comparison, the idea is, in comparison to how good God is, you don't even come close. You're a father. You might love your kid, but in comparison to the goodness of God, so don't take it personally. It's an invitation to trust God. And if you're a bad dad, stop being a bad dad. Okay. Uh, if you then are, if then uh, you are, uh, if you then, though you are evil, know how, you don't always follow through, on what you, you know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more, there's a leverage, say it again, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts, good gifts, someone say good gifts, good gifts to those who ask him. See, why do disciples pray with tenacity and progressive intensity and with unreserved certainty? Why do we pray that way? Because we believe that God is good and that he does good. And we believe that God has good for us. We, we believe that God is good. See, Jesus, is in, he uses this metaphor of fathers and sons because he is literally inviting us into his world into his own confidence. Jesus prayed to the Father as a beloved son, and he is inviting his followers to do the same. He wants us to pray with the confidence and the authority and the identity of sons. Now, if that's true, and it is, here's a a side benefit. If he compares the activity of prayer to the intimate exchange of father and son, of parent and child, then prayer is the most relational exchange between you and God. Prayer, then, is the place where you are most like who you really are. It's the place where you are the most Really, you. And if that's true, then in prayer, prayer will only make you be a 
better you. You are the most authentic expression of who God made you to be in the place of prayer. Furthermore, prayer like this helps, it liberates me from seeing people or institutions as my source. Disciples of Jesus understand that God is our source. Nobody say that out loud. God is my source. If you, here's a guaranteed statement. Anybody want some resentment in your life? How many would like some resentment? If you, well, if you, if you see people or institutions as your source, you, will, you are setting yourself up for resentment. You will eventually, if, if you need security or provision or affirmation or identity or value from other people, you're going to set yourself up for resentment. But if you understand who you are, that, that in prayer, you receive every good thing you could possibly receive from your heavenly Father then you're free from that. You can pray with great expectation, regardless of the economy or the culture or your circumstances, because you believe God is good. This is why everybody on any nation and on any place in the planet can pray like this. Matthew 7, verses 7 through 11, is not just for Americans. Thank God. Most of the time, the American churches, most of the time, are trying to talk people out of taking this too seriously. You go across the world, and there are people whose lives are depending on every word from Jesus. We pray because we believe God is good and that He has good. He has good for us. And in fact, Jesus said, how much more? In other words, friends, it is impossible for us to measure how much more God has for us. Disciples of Jesus are certain of the goodness and generosity of God. So we pray until. We are certain of the goodness and generosity of God, so we pray until. Do you believe that? Do you believe that? I know if I ask again, you're going to yell at me louder because that's how we roll. But I, it's important that we ask that thoroughly. Do we really believe that? Because I, I, I look, I, I'm no, no holds barred, all the cards on the table. I'm fairly convinced that I pray a lot. Yeah, yeah you, you know, I'm not trying to convince you. I'm just saying, I'm, you know, as people who pray go, I'm pretty sure I, I do it a lot. Pretty sure I like to pray. Pretty sure I've spent a lot of time doing it. Pretty sure I love it. I'm pretty sure I believe in prayer. Well, yeah, pretty sure because when I come to this text and I see what the words of Jesus are actually implying, I have to say, Dev, do you really believe that because... Really believing that would even revolutionize the way you pray. Are you praying like you believe that? See, when I say, do we believe that, it's one thing that there's a little crust of the quick amen. Oh, yeah, believe that. Hallelujah. But do we believe it so that we live it? So that it affects it, so that it, it, it transforms our heart and our affections. 
so that it thrills us and awakens us to a life of expectation, of anticipation of the goodness of God. If I believe it, then I will pray until. Because that is what it means to follow Jesus. So the challenge today as we close is this. What challenge is waiting for you to pray until? What needs to be resolved or received or found? What door has been closed long enough? Now let me be clear. No one should hear Jesus, and certainly not me, saying, well, if, if, if there's something not right, you're not praying enough. It's on you. If there's pain, here's what I am saying. If there is pain, keep praying. If something is not resolved, keep seeking. And if you are facing a door that has been shut, but you know the promise of God says it should be opened, keep knocking. If you friend, here's the deal. I would rather die knocking than give in to that door. You know why? Because prayers never stop. It's a mystery, but Revelation describes our prayers, our intercessions. The Revelation, John the Revelator sees angels carrying our intercessions in bowls and bringing those bowls through the veil to the very face of God. And they don't just stay there. Something happens to them, and then they bring them back out and throw them back down upon the earth. And when that happens, the earth trembles. The Bible tells us that it is impossible for your prayers fail. It is impossible. God collects them. He collects them. And so no matter what, even if I'm waiting for that door to open and it's not opening, I know that no prayer offered in faith, no, no prayer that sees the promise of God, no, not one single knock on that door will be in vain. And if that's true, I'm going to keep on knocking. Yeah. So are you willing to pray until? Can you imagine the possibilities, the potential that awaits us? Are you willing to pray until? Are you willing to pray for your family until? For your spouse, for your kids, until? Are you willing to pray for your church, for your city, revival, are you willing to pray for the first batch of 10,000 people who will be born again and baptized in the Spirit and follow Jesus? Is there anybody here this morning who's, who needs, who's not only willing to, but you are facing a closed door, a locked door, a circumstance, and you're knocking, and this morning you would like someone to pray with you? Let's stand together, all of us. I imagine that everybody in this room is a candidate to respond to the words of Jesus. Is that right? 
is everybody in this room a candidate to respond to these words from Jesus? That's true. This morning, we're going to close by saying this. If right now, there may be something really just pressing on your heart, a very specific thing, a very specific circumstance, a very specific request, a very specific door you're knocking on. You need someone to pray with you this morning, or you would like someone to pray with you this morning. Can I invite you right now to come from where you are? Would you come and join me right here at the front? Just say, excuse me, I need to pray. You're looking around, should I go? Am I going to be awkward? Listen, is it worth it? Are you tired of that door being closed? Let's pray. Right now, come and find a place right here along the front. It doesn't matter how long you've come here. It doesn't matter if you're a board member or a deacon or a staff person. If you would like prayer, come right now. And we want to pray with you and for you. We want to see breakthrough. We want to pray with you for breakthrough, for blessing, for resolve in your life today. Come on, let's pray right now. As folks are coming, as folks are coming, I'm going to have some of my prayer people come right now. If you are not receiving prayer and you are a staff person, a department leader, a board member, a staff, come on, right now, help me pray. Pastor Jim, Jay, others, that'll help some folks. And you can team up if you need to. But let's just take a few moments right now. You don't have to listen. I know folks have already come. If you think, oh, it's too late. No, it's not. We want to pray with you right now. We're going to take a couple of minutes and just pray. doesn't matter if you're brand new. We'll find you. 